colonial buildings, as well as some even pre-Hispanic ruins, like right in the central plaza, like in the central plaza of Mexico, which is known as the Zocalo, there's the National Palace, which is from the colonial period, the cathedral from the colonial period on one side. The other side is the Ayuntamiento or the city hall on the other side, all three gorgeous buildings. From the University of Alabama's Culverhouse College of Business, it's Bama Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories from those people who both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, and on the show today, Professor Stephen Bunker. This is the second part to our two-part series with Professor Bunker, in which we discuss how one can learn and apply history to business and take away amazing insights that cannot be found anywhere else. When you talk to students who are going abroad, especially in Latin America, do you have any advice for them before they go? Obviously, right now, a lot of it's up in the air. It's been suspended traveling abroad. But in previous years, is there anything you really focused on? You know, so I don't. A lot of times students who are going abroad with different programs, they don't necessarily talk to me before because in in history, like when I go on research trips, I'm going alone um, for the most part. However, what I've... I've, I've been here now for 15 years. I've had students who have taken one or more classes, usually the ones talking to me have taken multiple, because and, and they have now conducted business in, um, in Latin America, especially. One, uh, Lindsay Tolkoff, who was in my first or second year uh, of teaching, she ended up taking at least two courses. And she now lives in Atlanta. She was in a uh, shipping business and then went into one that was refrigeration. And so she was traveling a ton to Mexico specifically. And she's now moved on to something else. Anyways, she just would say, man, knowing about the history, when you talked about the culture, that has helped me out so much. And so the big thing is, I would, I, I would tell people a little bit about how do you socialize? How do you greet? No basic language skills if possible. Even just a, a, a hello, a thank you, a couple of meetings for how do you say a pleasure to meet you. Those things are really useful. I'd say pay attention. Look around. Follow cues. Do you give a hug when you meet. What's the difference between uh, men and women? As in, if you're a guy, do you end up kissing a cheek? How much of a kiss is it? Is it one cheek? Is it two? How do guys embrace or anything else? Is it a handshake? It is, an, is it an abrazo with a hand first and you go in for the hug? Follow the cues. Pay attention when you go down there in that for that meeting, don't be focused on what you're going to say. You should already know what you're going to say. Watch. And if you do that, and if you surprise them, man, things are going to go your way. So that's what I'd say. Pay attention. I just finished up uh, History 474, which is your U.S. Latin American Relations course and History Department. What other classes have you taught here at Alabama? Um, 
So I started off, it was really funny because I was hired as a modern Latin Americanist. In my first semester, I taught colonial Latin America. And so I've taught the colonial Latin American survey and the modern survey. My second semester here as a Latin Americanist was teaching the second half of U.S. history to 230 students. Again, curveballs come at you in life, but uh, that was a lot of fun because I taught it through the lens of food and consumption, uh, consumer culture. So, so that was enjoyable. Um, there's U.S. Latin American relations is the upper level, uh, 400 level. I've taught the writing seminar, usually either as U.S. Latin American relations or other themes. My drugs, booze, and Mexican society is always a popular one, which is looking at intoxication and then the war on drugs from a Mexican perspective. Yes, it's already packed for the fall. Um, and slight brag, slight brag. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's apparently I've never seen the article, but uh, the CW carries uh, it every year on one of the classes to take at UA. So I'm very proud of that one. Um, there's been a couple of others. One of the things that I would like to develop and would have started this semester, were it not for COVID, is um, a history of retirement and then your retirement future. Because I realized that most of my students, when I was talking about various things that usually in my classes, they had no idea what I was talking about, the difference between, say, a defined contribution versus a defined benefit plan. So I figured out in my head how, as a history prof, I can teach that. So that's your goal of that class is to sort of teach financial literacy to students as a whole. Before you graduate, you want to be able to understand what you're walking into financially, at least in life. Correct. Because, you know, they can, some schools, not many, might teach a little bit on financial literacy in, in high school and or on retirement. Most students don't care. I found that students in university, that's a different story. And so I really think on the retirement factor, the fact that so many people will not have things like a defined benefit pension plan and are uh, rather dependent on 401k or their equivalents or using IRAs, basically you're on your own. And I think that if that's the system we have, you better learn how to, to work it um, and it, it, it's not just the finance side as in how to accumulate wealth, but also how to think about planning for healthcare, housing, et cetera. So I'm going to be bringing in, uh, a friend from Maynard Cooper in Birmingham to talk about those issues as well. It seems like a really interesting course that could be applicable across campus. Do you know what the size of it you're looking to maybe achieve in the next couple of years? I, I think it's... It'll probably be introduced as a 300 level course. And so the cap would be at 40. Uh, we've just put in our our, uh, our class requests for the next academic year. And unfortunately, because of obligations, I couldn't fit it into that, but I will be doing that the f following year. So most people listening to this will either be uh, graduated, but if you're a freshman or a sophomore, uh, keep, a, keep an eye out for it. Yeah, it's great. And this is sort of applicable to those freshmen, sophomores, anyone in college. Is there any one piece of advice you looking back on your life that you would have given yourself at 18, 22 years old? As soon as you get out of university or you're making money before, start putting money for away for retirement. And preferably, 
making them Roth contributions, which means you don't get the tax break now, but everything you earn on it and the initial is tax free when you retire. If you start, if you look at the multiplier for every dollar you put in in your early 20s, you're making like up to easily 88 bucks on each of those dollars. By the time you're 30, it's more like 25. Start early. You don't have to put a, a ton. Put a hundred bucks a month in. If you're in a, if you've re, uh, graduated and you've got a job with a 401k, especially with a match, you make sure you hit at least that match, and check and see if they offer a Roth contributions for that. Usually, most uh, company retirement plans don't, but UA, for example, does. In the past six or seven years, they changed over. So yeah. Retire early. Honestly, you could just put money in in your 20s and you will you could stop by the time you're 30 and you will do better than somebody who puts money in starting in their early 30s, contributing all the way up to 65. That's my advice. Oh, and enjoy life, too. But save some money. Great advice, especially to <laughs> everyone across campus, not only business students, but everyone save the money early and while you're young. When. You're looking to the future. Obviously, you said you don't like making predictions. That's for other disciplines inside of the university. Where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? Do you think you're going to have another book published? Obviously, teaching more courses, more of your own choice courses. Where do you see yourself? Yeah, I need to get my second book so I can become a full professor because that's an important thing to do. So yeah, another book. I do love the research side. I'm looking forward to COVID being done, I've the last five years for me also personally has been a little bit more tumultuous. So I'm looking forward, though, to be able to head back to Mexico, especially, and doing archival work. There's something really kind of relaxing, but also exciting about doing archival work and what you find, because you find it often doesn't always match what you read in books. Or it just makes it so much more interesting and you see the connections is wonderful. So the book, research, but, you know, just hoping to enjoy life more. I've worked hard. And at this point, you should really start balancing things out. I've got three great kids, um, an amazing wife who is from Nicaragua, and I'd like to do more travel there we both would and uh really it's it's about it's continuing with your professional development but it's really starting to reassess what is important that said i'm still toying with the idea of becoming a certified financial planner because man why not um so we'll see about ua because they give you i think three credit hours a semester free so i might start taking that up gotta have some fun and this might be a little off topic question you don't have to be honest with this this, this answer what is the hidden gem of latin america if you're going to go travel there what's one place everyone has to go that not many people know about you know um although it's not hidden it's misunderstood here. It's Mexico City. Mexico City, people think it is, because of our stereotypes about Mexico, think it's completely dangerous and, and nasty and everything else. 
Mexico City is an absolute jewel. It is with its colonial buildings, as well as some even pre-Hispanic ruins, like right in the central plaza, like in the central plaza of Mexico, which is known as the Socolo, there's the National Palace, which is from the colonial period, the cathedral from the colonial period on one side. The other side is the Ayuntamiento or the city hall on the other side, all three gorgeous buildings. Then you've got commercial stuff on the side, but from mostly colonial era buildings. But between, in the corner between the cathedral and the National Palace, they found when they were digging for, they were making the subway for the 1968 Olympics, the Templo Mayor, the largest temple for the Aztec uh, capital, which was which was Mexico City um, at the time. So it is stunning. The whole downtown is called the Historic Center, and it is a UN heritage site. The the livelihood or the, the, the liveliness of the street culture of um, of the food options and the reasonable prices and also international cuisine. It's not just Mexican. And so you can get great Russian, you can get Lebanese, you can get whatever you want. If you're a vegetarian, you'll go wild. And but the markets Sorry, I'm, I'm just so excited because they, the, the Metro 2 is fantastic. For about 20, 25 cents, you can go anywhere in a city of 22 million. It is really outstanding. And then there's the downtown, which has lovely green spaces too, in the Alameda Park. The Fine Arts Palacio de Bellas Artes is amazing for concerts. It is some of the best acoustics in the world. But you can go outside slightly into the suburbs as suburbs can be, but then you can have this incredible peacefulness and really relaxing experience. I go out on a, on Saturday mornings, I would walk out to a, a uh, church. The nuns were out there selling the best tamales in the world. You could get a, a liter of fresh squeezed orange juice for like a dollar 50 and you can just walk around and enjoy your food. And it is, it's one of those things you were asking, what do I look, want to look forward to? That is my happy place. And I think, I wish that people could go to Mexico City and really appreciate it for what it is. For safety, it is way safer than many of our U.S. cities. Its homicide rate is at least one-seventh or lower than New Orleans, for example. It's a good place to go. That's a gem we should all see. You did mention that that was your happy place. What right now brings you happiness in life, either personally or professionally? I've, I've really found the, um, the social aspects with certain really good friends. We've been able to um, socialize more now that we've been able to get vaccinated and everything else. That I really enjoy immensely. There's something about hanging out with people, maybe smoking some meat, uh, having a drink, and just enjoying beautiful Alabama spring or fall weather um, that really makes me happy. At the same time, professionally, I am really looking forward to getting back to my research and getting this second book going. While it can be frustrating at times, there's something about being in the zone when you're writing and putting everything together, which... Uh, for me, I look at and realize, wow, 
I'm pretty good at this and I have a pretty impressive skill set to be able to do this. But on a day-to-day basis, I actually really love teaching. I hate grading, but I love teaching. And I, I appreciate the fact that at Alabama, I have that option to do that. Um, research is obviously the priority here, um, but teaching is important. And I really do love uh, working with students a lot. What is the greatest memory the University of Alabama has given you over the past 15 years? <sighs> That's a tough one. I don't know if there's a greatest. It's just a whole bunch of, of medium-sized ones. Because despite my occasional uh, beefs with UA about certain things, UA has been a great place to work. Um, I have a great deal of autonomy. And so I can teach as long as we cover me and my two Latin Americanists, Teresa Crabelli and, and Juan Ponce Vasquez, as long as we cover what's required for Latin American history for the core curriculum, we can do whatever we want. I can tell you, Cole, that there is, as you get older, having autonomy in your work is worth way more than a big pay bump Um, because then you don't feel like you have to retire ASAP or worry about being pushed out because of ageism. And that makes me really content. I'll say the history department is a overall a great department to work with. And I don't know, I've raised three kids. They're all, uh, in their late teens or early 20s now. I have a good life here. And so I would say my my memory of UA isn't a single event. It's what working here has done for me. That's Professor Stephen Bunker from the History Department inside of Alabama. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at culverhouse.ua.edu to learn more about the Culverhouse College business and what it has to offer. And as always, roll tide.